I'm your host, Madeline, and welcome to The Courageous Podcast, where you will hear inspirational stories every Monday and Thursday of everyday people who will share how they found strength, hope, and faith in the midst of adversity. Let's get ready to be inspired. So today I want to welcome Brenda Gomez. She lives in Westchester County, New York with her husband and their two beautiful children, which she lovingly describes as her fuel for life. She has been a dental hygienist for the past 20 years and proudly serves her church community. She is a certified coach, trainer, and speaker with the John Maxwell team since 2018. And her purpose is to use her story of perseverance to inspire others to heal and thrive Welcome, Brenda. Thanks for being on the Courageous Podcast today. Thank you, Madeline, for having me. I really appreciate your trust and um, and you giving people a platform to encourage and empower others. Of course. You and I met back in August of 2018 at a John Maxwell Leadership Conference, and we were just standing in a line of the many lines that, <laughs> that we had to stand in there with over 3,000 people, and it was definitely life-changing for the both of us. And we just hit it off instantly and just connected and, you know, just started a really great conversation, you know, where you shared some intimate things about your upbringing. And so obviously, as I was working on this project and, you know, I was sharing it with you, um, I definitely wanted you to be a part of this project and I knew how important it was. So thanks again for, you know, being willing and able to share your story uh, so take us back, take us back to that time when you were really young and, and kind of, you know, what your life looked like back then in those early years. Well, I um, one of the, the reasons why I have decided to share my story is uh, mostly because I know that there is um, a lot of childhood trauma and unprocessed pain. And so I, I want to show people the latter effect that it has in your adult life. So we always have to go back in order to um, move forward. Yes. And um, I grew up in Puerto Rico, the beautiful, beautiful island of enchantment. And I loved it there. I loved growing up there. I loved my friends. I loved my school. Uh, It was a beautiful community of happy people. In retrospect, you know, you can live in two planes at the same time, because even though people associate a beautiful island with beautiful beaches and palm trees and sun. Um, There's also parts of it that um, are not as glamorous. And we grew up in basically what you would call low-income housing. It was called El Caserío. For people who are from Puerto Rico, they know exactly what I'm referring to. It's it's sort of like low-income housing, the projects here in New York. That's basically, you know, considered poverty. When you grow up in an environment where there's poverty, there's uh, also along with that comes a lot of uh, dysfunction, particularly in my particular family. And right. um, not necessarily poverty uh, equates to, to um, dysfunction, but it's prevalent in the low-income housings. You know, There was a lot of drugs, there were shootings. As a little girl, I can remember the sound of gunshots. 
started to think between the age of five and seven. That's really where my, you know, I started to become a little more aware of my surroundings. Before that, I, the little that I remember was mostly fun and, and joy, good things. That's what mm-hmm. I remember. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, around kindergarten, I started to see my world differently. There were people that would basically, for example, like do drugs in the hallways. And I remember my mom fighting with them. Like, why would you do that? I have little kids. And she tried to protect us from seeing but sometimes it was too late. Mm-hmm. And so I remember just seeing a lot of things that I should not have seen. And my mom was a single mom. She had lost her mom when she was seven months pregnant with me. So she was um, in charge of raising her siblings. And um, I have an older brother and a younger brother. And uh, she uh, had to work to provide for us. And my uncle was our babysitter. And my uncle was mentally unstable. And, um, you know, unfortunately, my mom really had no choice but to leave us with him. But his his punishment was, I would say, very, very harsh, very traumatic. And I can remember a time where my brother and I were misbehaving and he decided that he was going to punish us. Mm-hmm. So he built a little pit, um, a little fire pit in the middle of our living room. And he forced me to put my foot into the fire. And when my mom got home, I had blisters, of course, very traumatic, lots of crying and screaming and the whole bit, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I remember her coming home and my foot was completely full of blisters. You know, my mom, I remember the fight they had after. But it was things like that that kind of, you know, are etched into your memory. There's, there were all kinds of, of abuse and neglect. And, you know, when, when you come from an environment like that where you are around unstable people, uh, mm-hmm. A lot of things are attached to that, a lot of abuse and neglect. It all comes together. I believe that my mom is one of the most courageous women that I know mm-hmm. because her upbringing was by far more traumatic than mine. And I say that because she tried to do better for us with what she knew. And I know she would have done better if she knew better. Right. But she had limited resources. She came with limited resources to the arena of motherhood. And she was so loving, and she is still so loving. She's one of the most kindest souls that I have ever met. I struggled for a long time as a child, understanding a lot of things. But as an adult, especially once I became a mom, she's definitely my hero. Because I could see that she definitely did with very little. She did a lot. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that. I love that. That's awesome. I think it's interesting um, as you're telling your story how you kind of had two different lives. You know, you had the perspective of saying like, hey, I grew up in a really wonderful environment with really great people and it was beautiful. But then at the same time, you had this other perspective to say like, hey, the things that I'm witnessing, that I'm seeing, that I'm experiencing are not good and they're not normal, you know, and there is a lot of dysfunction at such a young age. Yeah. Well, also like, you know, there's always, I always feel like there's always little glimpse of hope, even in the worst of environments. When did you go to New York? So at seven years old, my mom had the courage to bring uh, us to New York and we came just my, my older brother and myself and my mom. My little brother was left in Puerto Rico with his grandparents until my mom couldn't find an apartment and get settled here just to make it a little bit easier for her. That was 40 years ago. So we ended up in the the South Bronx in 1980. 
the South Bronx was, um, it almost looked like, like a heresy. There were like tons of burnt buildings. It was very abandoned in the South Bronx. And it was extremely scary coming from like palm trees and ocean to like burnt buildings and like this horror scene. Right. Uh, we came to live with a family that was very unstable. Thank God we were only there for about six months, but they were also, you know, struggling in their own, you know, there was, they were living in the South Bronx. So, but they were kind enough to take us in and uh, we left there for a little bit until my aunt brought us to Yonkers, New York, which is um, considered the suburbs in New York. It's, it's maybe 15 minutes from the Bronx. It kind of, it's borderlines with the Bronx, but it was the suburbs. So we felt like, yay, we're moving on up in life. And <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And even though, you know, it wasn't um, the greatest environment. But it was there were no gunshots there, so we were we were grateful for that. Absolutely, and we were kind of surrounded by a lot of low income housing as well. There, one of the, looking back, it was so diverse and it was so wonderful to grow up around all kinds of cultures. That I'm always grateful till today. I'm grateful for that environment. Wow, that's amazing that you could still again see that little white pearl in such a difficult and scary environment. I love that about you. And how was it coming home from school? Did it feel like, okay, I'm going back to my reality? Well, my mom coming here was um, a big transition for her. She, you know, we, we have very little family. And so she started to ease some of her suffering with alcohol. She got into an abusive relationship and I remember, you know, the, domestic violence was very prevalent in, in my environment. We lived in a six-family home, which was the greatest blessing for us. We were all around the same age. So it was almost like one huge family. And we took care of each other. We really did. But there was a lot of drugs and alcohol. And there was domestic violence all around us. And it was not the worst, but definitely not the best. You know, one particular incident that I can remember that was that has been etched in my mind, and I know that that was a very um, definitely shaped my 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 thinking and my fears. And I can never remember a time where I wasn't afraid. You know, I was mm-hmm. always anticipating. I was always on guard. I was always anticipating of something going wrong. I can remember a time where I came home and there was a lot of chaos in front of my building and the neighbors were kind of waiting for us to get home from school to kind of warn us before we saw my mom that there had been domestic dispute and my mom basically had to go to the hospital to have her jaw um, wired because her, her partner fractured her jaw. Wow. And I can remember being terrified to see her because in my mind, I thought that it was going to be worse than what they were telling me. You know, I'm thinking death in a little, it's it, mm. your mind doesn't know how to process. You know, I was maybe 10 years old. I just, I watched her suffer so much. I watched her, you know, make the wrong choices in relationships. You know, she took such great care of us. Like we never lacked a plate of food and she was a good cook. So we, we, we had good food. We had, <laughs> we had really good food. And she was almost like the glue to the family. Like she hosted the family. She kept the family together. She was joy-filled, kind human being. But she made wrong choices out of deep desire to be loved. And so that had a lot of consequences as a result, you know, I mm-hmm. that unfortunately we can't erase and definitely shaped the way I viewed men, the way I viewed the world. 
I lived in fear, basically, my whole life. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I'm sure that as your mom was pregnant with you and thinking about a life, you know, she never thought in her mind like, hey, this is how my life is going to go. I'm going to be struggling. I'm going to allow someone to abuse me. Like, these are just things that kind of just happen. And again, because you are looking for love. It's sad because it's something that should be easy to find, you know, especially if you're such a good person, but but we know how difficult it is. You know, looking back, what do you think was your motivation to kind of push through all of this adversity? I would say it's twofold. One of the biggest drives for me to do better and to and to get out was watching my mom suffering. One of the things I always had in the back of my mind is I always wanted to make her proud and bring joy into her life. Like I worked hard I, in jobs, basically, to kind of mm-hmm. ease her suffering financially. I wanted to go to college and do good things because I wanted to bring her joy because I saw the sadness in her and was trying to play little junior, like Holy Spirit, you know, and right. trying to do whatever I could to help her smile. And so that was one drive in my younger years. And then later on in life, you know, once I got married and, you know, I kind of focused a lot on education. That was kind of like my, my drive was like, I understood that through education, you can do things, you can get out of poverty, you can break generational curses, kind of break those cycles and do things. That was, you know, I was driven. Growing up, I definitely found the Lord early. There were two neighbors, particularly that would take all the neighborhood kids to church. That was back in the days when the church bus would show up and Mm -hmm. pick up everybody in the neighborhood. And I am so grateful for that because that was another safe haven for me. I still call them my guardian angels. And we still keep in touch with everybody from that neighborhood. And then, but one of the things that really, really motivated me was books. I really got deep into books. I used to go to the library all the time. I, I, I seeked out safe havens. So those were motivations. But then, you know, and I smiled through life. I was very good at covering up pain, you know? Right. I, you know, I just, I was very, I became very good at that. And I got married in, in 1998. I got married right a year after I graduated a hygiene school. You know, I focused on buying a home, on traveling, and those years were wonderful. We, we, my husband and I, we traveled for 10 years, and then we had our kids, and that was my biggest motivation of all. I can tell you instantly, I wasn't able to really truly enjoy the first years of being a mom because I was so scared, because all those fears that I had um, buried under mm-hmm. the rug, and I smiled through them. They all kind of surfaced when I became a mom, like threefold. So I was a very anxious mom. Now I had this little person, starting with my daughter. She was the first um, to be born. Now I had this little person that I was responsible for. How can I protect her from anything that I went through that it may not touch her? And that became my day and night obsession where I couldn't sleep. Sad to know that those first years were such a fearful time for me. And as she got older, right, and then my son came along, the fears got bigger. I clearly saw how I was also contributing to her fears. Because you know that kids learn by observing. Yes. And so they watch, and she's a very intuitive young lady. She can see things that adults miss easily. 
And so she was picking up, well, if mom is terrified, then I should be terrified because then there's something to be terrified about. That's right. And so that was a breaking point for me. That was a really hard to come to that realization that I, in my hopes of protecting her, I was doing the opposite. Yeah, no, not even realizing it because, you know, when you go through so much trauma and you and I had talked about this on another, in another conversation, like you said, you do the best that you can, but when you have children, I hear this from many people that have, you know, gone through different types of abuse is I need to protect my children from everything and everyone. And I have, you know, somebody in my family would say, hey, because of what I went through, everybody is suspect. And that really hit me hard. It hurt me. But then at the same time, I was like, hey, if that was me, if I had gone through something like that, yes, I would think that everybody is suspect and I, I can't trust anybody, especially if I had not dealt with that trauma directly. And so, yeah, I can totally understand your fears and worries about wanting to protect your children. God always sends angels your way and people to support and help. And my pastor would say to me, right, because he was being guided by the spirit and God was showing him things in me, right? I was Mm -hmm. active in the church. I was a servant. I was, I love my church. I love serving and I'm just like my mom, (laughs) Mm -hmm. loving and kind. And I love hosting people and cooking and he would say to me, are you okay? And I would say, yes, I'm totally, I would smile big, bigger. I would put more um, concealer under my eyes so that no one would see, you know, the sleepless nights that I was struggling with, right? right. He didn't give up on me to the point where finally God broke me and I had to enter into counseling with my pastor. And that was one of the hardest seasons of my life. Like I'm talking about the fears. I, I used to tremble to mm-hmm. even get into his office, like literally physically tremble. And um, little by little, he was, he was, he was just like Christ, a gentleman. And he just went slow with me and just, you know, we counseled over the phone first. That was my request. Can we mm-hmm. start on the phone? That's how bad I was. He helped me to, to wrestle through some of the deep, deep fears. And he helped me to overcome through a lot of prayer and counseling and um, and I can remember the first time that air got into my lungs in that office. I can remember the day that God healed me, you know, after a mm-hmm. lot of doubled over painful nights in tears. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you, you know, what I want people to understand is that if you really, really want to heal and be free, you have to enter the pain. There is absolutely no other way. And it's worth it, but it's painful because mm-hmm. now I start reliving things that I didn't want to relive, number one. Number two is through that, you start to remember things that your mind as as a mechanism of protection had you really tuck away. To remember things that happened to me in Puerto Rico as a little girl, to have to relive that was the hardest, hardest time of my life. But it was worth it because that brought me here. And I'm transparent with my kids now. You know, I know I I tell them all the time, life is messy, but there is absolutely always a way out. There's always better. I love that. And looking back, you know, is there anything that you think you would have done differently? I wrestled with this question for a little while because there was so much pain involved in my life throughout my life. I'm like, God, it would have been, I would have been a different person because it changes you completely. You're, You're not the 
person that God destined you to be when, right. when, you know, we live in a fallen world and you become this guarded person that misses out on a lot of good things because you're so afraid of letting anybody in. And so when I think back, would I have done anything different? I want to say yes, but it's an absolute no, because I understand that everything that we go through has purpose and meaning. And the pain that I went through has equipped me to pull others out of the same pit. And that gives me more reward, especially because I've healed from the pain. The ability to be able to sit in the pain with someone that has been through what I've been through and help them and really hold their hand and walk them through a journey to bring them towards Jesus for healing is the most rewarding thing that any human being can experience. And it over exceeds my expectations. So I would not change anything. That's awesome. And what what advice would you give someone who's experienced this type of childhood abuse? You know, there's so many different levels of childhood abuse. What advice would you give them, obviously, as they're going through something like this, if they haven't dealt with it? I can tell you that um, there's a lot of undiagnosed traumas, number one. Number two is that it's unprocessed pain that eventually is going to explode. It's going to surface. It's going to surface as a mother, as a wife, as a servant, you know, in your workplace. Mm -hmm. It's going to surface. So my advice would be first to accept the fact that you've been in some type of trauma. And some people, I have coached some women where they've had a beautiful childhood, Um, mother and father, very involved, loving, kind, but then they got married and they entered into an abusive relationship. And the mental abuse and the physical abuse, that's what took a toll on them. So what I would say is first, accept the fact that there's been some trauma. Study it, right? Study it so that you get the courage to get the right help. Because when you're able to understand what happened to you, you're able to seek out the right help. So one of the things that for me, right, it was like I needed to educate myself. I needed to learn about childhood trauma, about, you know, everything, anxieties. Uh, I learned about PTSD. I learned everything under the sun. I became a student of the topic. And that gave me enough courage to enter into the counseling with my pastor. So there were stages of healing. I didn't mm-hmm. just enter into his office. Before that, I had done a lot of self-work um, in order to get the courage to get to that place. One of the things that um, I can tell you for sure that made a difference in my life completely and entirely was my faith. So it was increments of things, but ultimately it was my faith that made me well. Knowing that I could heal by the power of the Spirit of God, visualizing myself as a healed, whole you know, sound-minded woman, raising kids that are healthy and strong mentally and emotionally. That I received all of that through my faith, through my Bible, through my compass. That was the ultimate healing for me. So I would tell people, start small. Start reading books on healing, on, on whatever it was that you struggled with at whatever point in your life does not matter. But if you have crippling fears, if you're struggling with, you know, anxieties and things like that, um, some, it came from somewhere. Get curious about it. I love that. That's awesome. So three things that I want to leave our listeners with is increasing your faith, which was your number one, definitely educating yourself, understanding more about, you know, maybe potentially, you know, what you've been through 
different types of trauma. And lastly, hopefully being able at that point to seek and enter into counseling so that you can be completely healed. I love that. That's really, really great advice and very practical tools that may take a little while, but eventually based on what you've shared and kind of what you've been through has definitely worked for you. And it may look different, like you said, for other people, but at least it's it's a start. And so obviously I wanted people to be able to connect, you know, with Brenda Gomez. I know that, like you said, you're a life coach, you know, and you're doing, you know, some amazing things, uh, your small groups of people and mentoring women and things like that. How can people find you on social media? Well, I, um, I usually post um, some type of encouragement on my Facebook and Instagram and they can, you know, they can reach me at um, Instagram at Transformation Awaits. And my Facebook is just Brenda Gomez. Also on my website, you can contact me and reach me there if you have questions or concerns or you know you need guidance. And that's at BrendaCertifiedCoach.com. If anyone else has questions about how to get in touch with Brenda, you can also reach out to me as well at MyCourageousPodcast2020 at Gmail. And Brenda, I want to thank you so much for just being so honest and transparent and just going to those very deep and painful times in your life so that people can understand and know that they're not alone and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and that there can be healing and that God can definitely change that. And obviously we know that there's nothing too big for our God and and we're grateful that we have him in our lives. So thank you so much. And I'm excited to see what's coming in the future for you. I'm just going to drop a hint and say that (laughs) in the near future, uh, my dear Brenda will be sharing a book where she will be able to share more intimate details about her journey through struggle of faith and of healing. So stay tuned because I know we're going to have you back so that you can share some of that. Okay. So you be blessed and pray that God continues to use you, to bless you so that you can continue to give forward and help others find the healing that they're they're looking for. So Madeline, I want to thank you for um, just being the, the person that you are. You are very kind and, and we, we connect on that level because we have that heart for people for restoration. But I want to thank you for the work that you're doing because I really truly believe in my heart that you were called for such a time as this. And I do believe that through this podcast, uh, you are going to help many, many people to find the courage to seek out what they need to get well and to become whole. And I believe that in my heart of hearts, and I'm excited to walk this journey with you and to cheer you on, you know, to cheer you on along the way. I'm excited. Thank you so much. Hey, it takes a village to help others and to bring healing. And I know that between myself, just trying to create a platform and bringing all these amazing people together, God is going to use us to do some amazing things. And so I'm, I'm also excited and it's all for his glory. And so I thank you. Hey, Courageous Community, thanks so much for joining us. I hope you were encouraged today. If you have a courageous story or want to connect with today's guest, email us at courageouspodcast2020 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Courageous Podcast. Until next time, continue to be strong and courageous. Courageous.